what do I really think about Patrick Mahomes? And also, how many mailbag questions can we possibly cram into a 40-minute podcast? Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief in the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. I am your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser, if you want to be all friendly and stuff. It is almost upon us. As I sit here recording, and as, well, as you sit here listening, it's Monday, or maybe Tuesday, or Wednesday. Maybe you're some kind of anarchist and you waited until Thursday to listen to this. Real football is almost upon us. The, the Chiefs will open up the season, of course, with literally the most difficult game possible at Foxborough in New England. It's against the Patriots. Uh, it's going to be great. I'm excited, no matter what happens, honestly. I cannot wait. It is a good time to be a Chiefs fan. Um, to, this is episode 10 of the Chief of the North podcast. I appreciate you joining us. Make sure to give us a subscribe with whatever app you happen to be using, whether it's on iTunes or Podbay or whatever doohickey you happen to have. I'm old. I don't understand such things. Um, give us a subscribe and a review and a rating, but only if you're going to say nice things. Believe me, it's silly, but it makes a difference. Uh, I'm just excited to to be heading towards the regular season opening. There's a lot to talk about, but what I'd like to do is have this be a bit of a special version of the podcast this week. I figured episode 10, that's something of a milestone episode, right? I, I don't know. It's kind of like when you're early in a relationship. You, you celebrate, you know, like a one-month anniversary and then like the two-month anniversary. But by the time you've been together for a while, no one knows how many months you've been together. We're, we're in the early stage of our relationship in the Chief of the North podcast with our listeners. So we're going to treat episode 10 like some kind of milestone, which it feels like it. it, it it's hard to believe we've already done as many as we have. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to try to do as many mailbag questions as possible. I had a couple of listeners point out that I hadn't done it in a few weeks. And that's not because people haven't been sending them, it's just we've been busy. Uh, there's been so much to talk about every week that I've been going over my my allotted time, the time that I allot myself, every week, even without mailbag questions. So this week, I have one particular topic I want to touch on, and then it is all you, the listeners or readers, however it is you come across my work, and we are going to just cover as many topics as possible. Might be just a tad bit of repetition in here, there, but we'll try. I'll try my best to clump all topics together. Um, but what I want to talk about first today is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I know, weird, right? I never talk about him. No one in Chief's Kingdom talks about him. Um... You know, he, he had a, you know, seriously, you can tell this is the Chief of the North podcast. You, can, you can, can't take the accent out of a Minnesotan. Anyway, with, with far, as far as Mahomes is concerned, he, he started this, the fourth preseason game, and it went very, very well. Um, he had a couple throws that I think he wishes he could get back. Um, he had one where he went to a deep out on the sideline, or comeback, I guess you could call it, and he, he threw it, oh, about a half second too late, and it was close to being picked, although it would have taken a really good play by the corner to actually pick it off. And then he had one play where he, he didn't put enough air under a pass. It should have been an easy pick, but the linebacker dropped it. Um, there was a third potential pick, but that wasn't because of him a potential pick. It was because Ross Travis let a ball go through his hands and it deflected into the hands of a defender, which oddly enough, and this just drives me crazy, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, I have seen so many people 
all over the internet saying that Patrick Mahomes threw three potential picks or interceptable passes, and that's just not true. When you throw a pass that a receiver doesn't catch, that hits him right in the hands, easy catch, and it deflects into the hands of a defender, that's not on the quarterback. Things like that are why you can't just look at numbers, because that went down as an incomplete pass. And had the defender brought it down, it would have gone down as an interception. But yet, that wasn't anything Mahomes did wrong. And it's things like this, and a million other things, is why I'm what people might call a film snob. Because it's just ridiculous to look at these numbers with no context, because you miss like that. You have misses like that. It's like when a quarterback has you know a 400-yard passing day, and 200 of those yards are on screens. That's more of a credit to the offense. We all remember Alex Smith a few years back when Jamal Charles caught like four or five touchdowns in a day. And Alex Smith played well that day, but the star of the show there was Jamal Charles playing an incredible game. You can't just look at stats. And I, if, I, if, if we are ever going to hammer in on one thing in the Chief of the North podcast, it's that you have to really look and see what's going on. Does that mean you need to watch all 22 for 15 hours to know what's going on? No, but you should at least ask yourself, you know, well, you know, is you know, when, instead of just saying completion percentage, maybe you should ask yourself, well, how many of those were drops? How many of those were inaccurate throws? How many of those were throwaways? How many of those were... And you have to start really asking yourself, what is the context of any stat that you have? And so that's something that's been driving me nuts all week, hearing people say, well, Patrick Mahomes threw, threw, almost threw three interceptions. It's like, well, okay... Usually the people that are saying that are the people that really have an axe to grind there and are trying to prove a point. As far as my take with uh, Mahomes' game, it was interesting because he got a lot of national hype this time because a lot of people were watching that game. And he made three throws and that were just unbelievable throws. Um, one in particular where he was scrambling right and he, he threw a 50-yard bomb to Demarcus Robinson, just dropped it in a bucket. One of the best throws I've ever seen uh, anywhere. Honestly, you could watch football for an entire month if you excluded Aaron Rodgers' games and not see a throw like that. Rodgers seems to do one of those every other week or so. But any other quarterback, you just never see it. Um, it, it happens occasionally, but not often. It was just an unbelievable throw. And so there were a lot of national people on Twitter that started to pay attention, say just talking about his raw ability, and they're absolutely right. Um, Mahomes demonstrated once again that he is a guy who can make plays. They had a really good two-minute drive, two-minute drill drive where they marched down the field in five plays and scored a touchdown. That included spiking the ball to stop the clock. His raw talent is unbelievable, and it's apparent to everyone. Additionally, and I wrote about him. You can check it out at Arrowhead Pride. I wrote about his final game. Um, I compared him to a shark because he can strike from anywhere at any time. Defenses are never safe, but... You know what he also demonstrated is he was checking in and out of various plays, which is a big deal. You, his footwork looks cleaned up. The improvement that you've seen in just a month is impressive. Um, I don't, I haven't talked to very many people who aren't impressed with him. It's the very, very rare person, and usually, I'll be honest, it's more who those people are a fan of than who they aren't a fan of. But despite all of that, which we all kind of figured this was coming. It's Alex Smith time. Uh, Alex Smith, who's had a wonderful preseason, played very well by and large in his own right. Um, He's going to get the starting nod, which most people saw coming. Like I've been saying for a while, I thought there was maybe a 10-15% chance Mahomes would take over. But he's not. 
And that's kind of what it looked like would happen. Brett Veach actually came out with some comments doing the the organization is definitely trying everything they can to avoid a quarterback controversy. Veach came out and said that, you know, there's no controversy. Patrick Mahomes isn't even close to where Alex Smith is, which, again, he has to say that. Uh, and that's that he's got to because otherwise you're just feeding a frenzy and you cannot do that to your starting quarterback and you can't do that to your team. And so that's where we stand. This is pretty much the last time we're going to be talking about Patrick Mahomes barring some unforeseen circumstances until next season. Um, Unless we get some new tape to break down. He had as good a preseason as I could have hoped for, even probably better than I had hoped well, not better than I'd hoped. Better than what I expected and just as good as what I'd hoped. He he showed the ability to do lots of things. Um, as a final take, um, do I think the Chiefs should have started Patrick Mahomes? I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth on that. I think Alex will have his best year as a Chief. Do I think Mahomes could be starting week one? I absolutely do. Um you know, we've we've gone over on this podcast the reasons I don't think it would ruin him, the reason I think people are wrong about a lot of stuff when it comes to him. Uh, to hesitate, um, I think I think he could have done it. I think if uh, if Alex gets injured and Mahomes has to step in, I think the team's going to be just fine. And I think he demonstrated most of all. Um, that ability to strike from anywhere and that ability to just gain these chunk yardage plays, that is such a big deal as a quarterback because you can threaten the defense constantly. No matter what the down and distance, no matter what the score is, Patrick Mahomes is always going to be dangerous. And so if something happens to Alex Smith, unlike in previous years, you know, last year with Foles, I was okay with with Foles. I thought, oh, he can do about as good a job. Um, turned out watching him play, he wasn't as good, but I thought he could do all right. Before that, Chase Daniel was such a marked step down from Alex Smith, in my opinion. It was always, man, if Alex gets hurt, we are probably hosed playoffs-wise. Last year, my thought was maybe Foles can help bring the team to the playoffs, but I didn't like their chances once they were there. Now, with Mahomes, you know, I don't wish injury onto anyone. Alex Smith has been a good guy, and what I hope for him is that he just has a monster career year and departs from Kansas City next year as a, as a, as a hero instead of kind of a controversial quarterback figure because he really did a lot for the team in terms of helping settle a position that had been so bad for so long and providing leadership, providing a steady hand through, you know, the one in five start through just through some tough stuff through, through the decline and eventual departure of Jamal Charles, the end of an era in Kansas city, Alex Smith was part of the guiding hand that helped make it be okay. And for that, I'm always going to look back even, you know, once every, no matter how things end, I'm going to look back on what Alex Smith has done as a chief very fondly and very gratefully. Um, do I think he's a Ring of Honor guy? No, I don't. Um, but, man, wouldn't it be cool if he did enough this year to be a Ring of Honor guy? I think it'd be a hoot and a half. He He's a good guy, a good teammate, total professional. Sits there and uh, you see it if you watch the replay of Mahomes' you know, big throw against the, uh, the 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 Titans when he hit Demarcus Robinson down the field, you could see Alex in the background. I know there was a GIF going around on Twitter that Alex like had bad body language because of Mahomes. All you got to do is watch that when the pass got complete. Alex was celebrating right there with the rest of the team. He has been a complete professional about all of this, and for that, I'm just really thankful that the Chiefs went out and got Alex Smith years ago because had it not been for that, I think they'd be a, a, in a worse spot than they are now. But 
That said, we're, we're, we're closing the door on the Mahomes chapter of the, of the Chief in the North podcast because there's just not going to be much to talk about for his future. I think he's got an incredibly bright future as an NFL quarterback. I think he, he's starting to do, do the little things very well, and he already does the big things very, very well. Um, if, if we see him sometime this year, I'm not at all nervous about it. I think he would probably need a, a, a quarter or two to really get his feet under him and then a game or two to get his feet under him a little more. But I, I think he would do a tremendous job if given the opportunity. Um, my hope, however, is that we see an absolute career year from Alex Smith and then we just move on from there and see what happens. Um, and again, I, I what I'm hoping is that people don't, if Alex struggles just a little bit, start booing him and chanting Mahomes' name and all that stuff. Which, look, it's going to happen. Unless Alex becomes an elite quarterback, we're going to hear calls for Mahomes because he makes these incredible plays that you just can't see anywhere else. I mean, for Let me give you an example. I, I was hanging out with a friend of mine today who came to, 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 to visit my church this last Sunday and watch me preach because it freaks him out mostly because he's known me for a long time. But I digress. Um, and then afterwards, I was showing him how I'd set up in, in our church's sanctuary. I've set up a, a, a projector so you know you can have PowerPoint and stuff. Well, what I can also do is I can watch Chiefs games on that. And so that's, you know, a blast. And so I was like, hey, you know, let me show you how this setup. It's kind of sweet. And, you know, you got to play it on the big sound system and all that fun stuff. It's kind of cool. And I, the play that I chose to show him was Patrick Mahomes' bomb on the run to Robinson. And it was really cool, you know, showing him that because, you know, often when you show a buddy plays of a team that he doesn't cheer for and all that stuff because he's a big Vikings fan and, you know, they don't care, honestly. But I was like, hey, hey, watch this play. And he watched it and his jaw dropped when that ball went complete. He goes, that was a bomb and he the guy was hitting him when he threw it and he just when they showed the all 22 replay he just couldn't stop he said i man that's one of the best throws i've ever seen and he just went on and on he's like is, is are they, are they gonna start him i was like no i think they're gonna start alex and he said oh you know i don't mind alex but man what a throw now it's cool having a quarterback that makes that those kinds of plays and because of that you're gonna hear people chant for mahomes it's just going to happen. There's no real there's no real doubt about that. And some of that really isn't going to it doesn't have a lot to do with Alex. So um again, I hope for the best for Alex, but man, I'm just I whew, I'm excited to see Mahomes when he gets a chance again. Um I do have just and that'll kind of segue us into our mailbag just a little bit because I, I did get a couple mailbag questions about Mahomes or about Alex. We're gonna use that to segue into the next segment here. Um here's the question from at the underscore R two J, which RJ by the way, I should always and forever get a shout out. The uh, the Chief in the North logo that you see on my Twitter account and on iTunes and on, on Blog Talk Radio, that was designed by this guy. So a tremendous shout out to you because the logo looks incredible. You're awesome. And anyway, what he asks is who do you want to win a Super Bowl with? Alex now or Patrick later, put aside the fact that we just want to win a championship, period. And so what I'm reading is that, you know, you know, if we if I had to choose between one of the two, um, would it would it be Alex now or Patrick later? You know, I'll be honest, and this has nothing to do with either player. Well, maybe not nothing. But I would take one now. Just because I'm a very I don't know what tomorrow brings kind of guy. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna be around tomorrow. And so if I if I get a Super Bowl this year, I think that would be incredible and I would I would take now all day. Additionally, 
you know, it would be kind of a cool fairy tale ending for Alex, who again has been nothing but a stand-up guy. And so I would I would like to see it for his sake, as well as the uh, as, as as well as just because that it's quicker, more instant gratification. Um, but that said. I think I think this is certainly a roster that can contend for a Super Bowl this year, and I think Mahomes is going to be a quarterback that's going to have us in contention, not regardless of the roster, because very few quarterbacks are like that, but I think Mahomes is going to be a guy that you can contend for years, years and years. That is, that's what I think his ceiling is, and I think he's going to hit that ceiling. Um, do a couple more Alex and, and Mahomes questions, then we're going to take a quick break. Um, when I was asked by Zach, who is at PowerCatZach, uh, what's the ceiling for this offense with Smith under center? How good can it be? I would say, based on what we've seen, um, I, I, w- I don't think the ceiling for the offense is is, is particularly high. Um, however, I do think that the ceiling is is better than what we saw last year. I think Tyreek Hill changes a little bit, and Alex Smith is clearly comfortable throwing him the ball. And so I would say the ceiling for the offense is to hover around the top 10 scoring offenses. Um, well, you know, the realistic ceiling is, you know, top five and all this stuff. But, uh, you know, that's the whole what uh, could happen if everything broke right. I think the realistic ceiling, the really realistic ceiling is is about, you know, 10th in the league in scoring and a, an efficient offense that maintains its efficiency despite being a little higher in scoring output. And they could be that by improving in the red zone. Now, we'll see what happens there, but that's it wouldn't really take a whole lot for them to improve on that. They're already a fairly efficient offense. What they need to do is be better in the red zone. And so... I do think that the offense can do some stuff with Alex. I don't think all is lost because Mahomes isn't starting this year or anything like that. So I could see the offense taking a step forward in large part because of the connection that Alex has with Tyreek Hill. Uh, Kelsey returning, hopefully seeing Chris Conley take another step forward. I think Kareem Hunt's going to do a great job. Um, And so I think the offense could do pretty well this year regardless of losing Macklin. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when it comes back, we are going to dive into more mailbag questions than you've ever seen. All right, let's do this. We're going to just crank through as many of these as humanly possible. You guys sent me probably 50 or 60 of these. I don't think we'll make it through all of them, but, man, we'll do our best. Um, First things first, I suppose I should mention, C.J. Spiller is back, so all the questions about C.J. Spiller and the running back situation, there you go. That actually takes care of four or five of them right out of the gate. I'm really glad they brought back Spiller. I was really surprised that they cut him. Um I I thought Spiller looked good in the preseason, both running and catching the ball, and so I was very surprised when he got cut. I presumed that he was the number two guy behind Kareem Hunt. Um, I thought he'd beaten out Charkandrick West for that spot. Considering that he was the one who got cut, it doesn't appear to be the case, and it looks like we'll be seeing maybe more of West than Spiller. But I, as far as how they sussed that out, I have no idea. West is, I think, by far the best pass protection running back out of, of the three. Um, and so I, I can see why he might see the field more on third downs. Um, we'll see what Spiller can do. He looks like he's got his old explosion back. So hopefully um, he sticks and things go well. I feel a lot better about the running back position with, with Hunt, Spiller and West than I did with just Hunt and West. I can tell you that for certain. And so it's good to have Spiller back. I think he did enough to make the team, and I'm glad to see him. Um, the next mailbag, the, the mailbag question I'll start with, which of course is still about Alex Smith, so I apologize for missing it before the break, is from a Phil Hanf <laughs> at Hanfster one. 
You really had to do the one there. I'm surprised there were more, more than one there. But anyway, Phil, be that as it may, if KC decides to trade a healthy Alex Smith next year, what would the trade bring in terms of draft picks? You know, it all depends on what Alex does this year. If Alex has the type of year that he's had every year, I think he'll still have some value. Um, the quarterback market is bizarre. Uh, Sam Bradford, when everyone knew that the Eagles were going with Carson Wentz and was coming off a fairly meh year with the Eagles, he fetched like a first and a third. Now, he's a lot younger than Alex Smith. and But the thing was, he was also near the end of his contract. And so... The, the quarterback market is just bizarre. If you have, I mean, you know, Mike Glennon got $15 million. You know, Jay Cutler, after a really blah year and then retiring and not going with a training camp, got $10 million. A, a competent quarterback is worth a ton. Especially, let's say, if it's supposed to be a really good uh, quarterback group next year. Let's say there's some team that wants to draft a guy. But they want a bridge quarterback. Well, Alex Smith is a great bridge quarterback to have because your team will win some games and your guy can learn from a professional. And Alex is a competent guy. And so I think he would have some value even if if it was exactly what we've seen. I think you could get a second or a third rounder for him. I really do. Um, If he had his best years of chief, depending on if the other cards fall right, it honestly would not surprise me if they managed to, with a little finagling, steal a first rounder from someone. It really wouldn't. Now that's, again, if Alex has a very good year. Um, But, again, we'll have to see what, uh, what what comes of all that. Um, a question from Ryan at Ryan underscore PDR Perderf. You know, part of this, part of the entertainment of this is just going to be me trying to pronounce things. Uh, Ryan asks, what's your best NFL genius guess? Oh man, no pressure about Tomba's future, man. Ah, Tomba is an all time chief. Uh, Tomba should be in the ring of honor immediately when he retires. Um, but I, I, at this point, if I were looking at him on any other team, I would say he's cooked. Um, I would say he's done. Uh, the only reason I, I hesitate to say this is because I know Tomba a little bit, not personally, but I, I have seen what he's done since coming into the league, and it's tough to count that guy out. Um, but he was the one that was saying that he's healthy and with regards to being at practice and OTAs and all that, and he was the one that kind of went on the Twitter rant and said that he's healthy and wants to play more. Well, he's apparently not healthy. And so... <sighs> I think, you know, Father Time remains undefeated, and so I think that Tamba might play a little this year, but I don't think he's going to play much, and I think this is his last year as a Chief one way or another. And so, you know, that, that that's going to, you know, what's the expression? Everything ends badly or else it wouldn't end. I think that's the direction that we're going with Tamba. It's tough to watch, but this is the way it goes. So... Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm wrong here and that we see at least, you know, a good half season from him because they could use him because, I mean, he's just a warrior and it would be so great to see them compete for a Super Bowl and him being able to contribute. Um, next question from me, Stephen Mercil. Uh, I'm not going to do the ats anymore. Sorry, guys. People can look you up on Twitter if they want. It's just too hard to pronounce some of these. Um, Steven asks, if the rules change and you could only run 11 guys without injury, each player plays both ways, what would your 11 be using the Chiefs roster? Whew, that's a tough one. And so I'm going to give some general answers. You've got to pay particular attention, in my opinion, to certain positions. You've got to pay attention to the trenches, and you've got to pay attention to, obviously, quarterback. And you've got to pay attention to the boundaries. And what I mean by the boundaries is I think you need 
two corners. I don't think you can get away with guys not you know who aren't natural corners being attempting. I don't think wide receivers playing corner is necessarily a good idea unless you've got the right mix of physical talent. And so I guess off the top of my head, um, I would say Marcus Peters, Justin Houston, Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Derek Johnson, um, D4, as surprising as that may be to some of you. I would definitely take Mitch Morse, of course, because, you know, Mitch Morse is, you know, my favorite anything. Um, definitely take Tyreek Hill. I would take Chris Conley. How many is that? Are we on seven? I don't know. I'm not going to count. I'm trying to think up and down the roster. I think uh, a Kareem Hunt could play both ways as a linebacker and as a as a running back. And that's the thing. you got to think of a, a position that they could play on the other side of things. And so since we still need guys in the trenches, I, I think I'd take Benny Logan and Raheem Nunez-Rochez. Yes, I'm focusing on defensive linemen instead of offensive linemen. Maybe that would be a mistake. I'm not entirely sure. Um, and then I'm going to go with... Eric Fisher, and Alan Bailey. And I think that puts us at 11. So I've grabbed some beef. I grabbed some guys for the boundaries. I grabbed a quarterback. Um, yes, I took Mahomes over Smith. Well, sue me. <laughs> I, I think Mahomes would be better off on defense than Alex Smith would be. That's just my thought. Um, I personally think Chris Conley would make a fantastic safety in the middle of the field. Either that or you could put Tyreek Hill in at, uh, as a single high safety and he could just cover the entire back end of the defense. So I think that team, you know, it could compete a little bit. I think we'd be strong up front with uh, some beef with Benny Logan and Alan Bailey and a couple of offensive linemen and Chris Jones, who Chris Jones could absolutely play tackle and be exceptional at it. So that could be, that could, that, that would be my team I'd put together there. I'm sure there are people who are bound to disagree. Um, then d- moving on to the next question, man, doing these marathon mailbag thing, it just seems like it almost, there's no end in sight. Um, Daniel Avila asks any chance for the chiefs on Thursday, long bye week, the off season approach could work for a read seeing his bye week record. You know, I had a few questions about this one. So some of you are going to feel like your questions got skipped. Uh, because there were a few questions about the Chiefs Patriots, you know, what would the what would the most important players be? Um, who could be an unexpected contributor? Do I give the Chiefs a realistic shot? For one thing, I absolutely give the Chiefs a realistic shot. Yes, the Patriots are a very good team. So are the Chiefs. Are they as good as the Patriots? They haven't been in recent years, but I don't know what this year brings. And so. I'm not one to, you know, the Vegas odds are kind of crazy, but I I, I think the Chiefs do have a shot. I think uh, traditionally Andy Reid's team, one thing that scares me, um, they've, they haven't always looked great in the first game of the season, although his win-loss record has been good during that time. Um, that's, that spooks me a little bit. Uh, the Houston win a couple years ago was really good. Outside of that, they've always looked a little sluggish to me in their first game of the year. Um I think they're going to be really ready to go. And I do think that this is a bit tougher one for Bilicic to prepare for um, than maybe Andy Reid to prepare for because the Patriots offense is going to be by and large similar to what we've seen. Although Brandon Cooks, I think, is going to make it be a more vertical offense. But uh, generally speaking, a lot of their personnel are relatively similar. Um, 
to what they had, if not an exact name, but in, in, in systematic type guys. I also think Julian Edelman going down makes them a bit more predictable because he was their guy that could line up literally anywhere and do anything. I think they try to have Amendola pr- fulfill that role, and he's just not as good as Edelman. That's just the way it is. Him, n- neither him or Hogan are as good as it. Although I'm sure with Edelman down, I'm sure Tom Brady will help one of those guys become a 1,200-yard receiver again because that's what Tom Brady does. Um, here's what I would say. I think it's going to be a tough game. I would I would be surprised if the Chiefs won, but not completely stunned because the Chiefs are a good team. Um, they are a lot healthier than they were last year. They were a lot. They're a lot healthier than they were the last time they played the Patriots. And so I think that we could see we could see a pretty competitive game. We could see some good things. Um, a lot's going to depend on the pass rush on Justin Houston and Chris Jones um, and Raheem Nunez Rochez, I think is going to be a wild card there. I think D Ford will be really important. The cornerback depth is going to be important. And I had people ask me about that. Yeah, that worries me. Um, I need to see that Terrence Mitchell is practicing every day this week um, because they're going to need to be deep at corner because whatever weakness you have out there, the Patriots will pick on it. Pass rush is going to be the biggest thing. Tom Brady, Brady eats blitzes up. Um, but quick pressure, like any other quarterback in the NFL, if you can get quick pressure on him with four, you can rattle him a little bit. Just like any other quarterback except maybe Aaron Rodgers. So that's going to be a big key there. I do think the Chiefs offense could look a little bit different than what we're used to. Of course, people are going to say, well, we say that every year. But every year we didn't have Tyreek Hill as a primary receiver. So I think all it takes is one deep shot killing them to make the whole defense start viewing it a little bit different. So it's going to be crucial early on to make them respect Tyreek Hill because what happened in the playoffs, and I can't remember whether it was uh, Cassell, uh, uh, Greg Cassell, Cassell, um, he, he did a really nice breakdown. I believe it was him. Maybe it was Matt Bowen. I can't recall on the last time the Chiefs and the Patriots played. And they demonstrated that every single play, regardless of the coverage, regardless of zone, man, regardless of anything else, Tyler or Tyler, Travis Kelsey got bracketed. And that's, you know, people wonder, well, Travis Kelsey just vanished against the Patriots. They game planned around him as much as I've ever seen a team game plan around a tight end. Um, and no one else could really fill the void. If you recall, the Chiefs' best receiver on the field that day was Avant. Macklin gave it a go, but he was too hurt. I mean, so they I mean, they just had a bunch of really no ones out there. Um, and so hopefully, ideally, you'll see something more from Tyreek Hill and Chris Conley than you would than you saw from Jason Avant and Albert Wilson at the time. So We'll we'll see if that helps things out. Uh, this is going to be a really great uh, way for the Chiefs to start off because it's their best opponent, and you're playing them first. I would I I love that. I love getting the best opponent, getting them immediately because after this, it all gets easier from here. So I'm actually grateful that they start off with such a with such a tough game. Um. One, uh, one. The next question we can move on to is what's what's your take from Chiefly Bacon? Um, what's your take on Terrence Smith and Jordan Devy making the roster? Um, I think you know I don't think Devy had a particularly good preseason. I think Terrence Smith flashed some skills last year. Not 
He flashed some raw material skills last year to where maybe he could make a little something out of himself. He was aggressive. He could he could fly around the field. Um, he definitely wasn't as good as I would like at a strong inside linebacker. But he demonstrated a willingness to hit, a willingness to hit the hole, and, and do everything he could. And so I'm really okay with him being on the roster. Devi, that was a bit of a surprise. But I think they're just looking for offensive line depth right now. And they must see some raw materials. What you see with the types of guys that they're looking for, like, you know, trading for Cameron Irving, they're looking for guys with high upside. And they trust that their coaches can develop them. And hey, you know what? Given the coach's track record of what we've seen so far with player development, fair enough. I I trust the coaches too. And so... Um, moving on to the next question. This is a non-football question from Jeremy Dale. Star Trek, Star Wars, or Stargate? Uh, Star Wars, and I will not fight with anyone about this. It's what I prefer. Y'all can leave me alone. And I'm going to move on from that quickly before someone else gets mad at me. Um, someone asked, and I thought I would just do an aside on this, even though it doesn't apply as much anymore. Uh, question from Tech Brothers. At this point, would you, and at what price, go after Shady, as in LaShawn McCoy? That was when the Chiefs only had two running backs on the roster. My answer was yes, and honestly, Shady McCoy, at his age, I think you could pry him loose, given the fire sale they got going on right now in Buffalo. I think you'd snag him for a third rounder, or maybe it might take a second rounder, and I would do it, because LaShawn McCoy is a stud. But, you know, obviously at this point, it seems like a moot point. I just wanted to be able to say what, uh, what, what would, uh, what would be, what, what I would do in that situation. Cause I like LaShawn McCoy. I think we got time for a couple more before we take another break here. Um, I was asked what the, by Robbie Adams, what my biggest surprise of who made the roster, not a cut, but who made the roster. Uh, I, I hate to be the one who jumps on the bandwagon because he does have some useful skills, but I guess I'd say Albert Wilson. I don't think Wilson has improved at all since his first year as a receiver, and he doesn't look like and he just doesn't look like a changed player. I understand he knows the system. He's got some 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 good blocking skills. He's got some functional yards after the catch skills. But honestly, I I'm ready to move on from him, and I'm surprised that the Chiefs are not, especially after a preseason in which he really did not look good. But um, they like him, and so but he was my biggest surprise still on the roster. Um, some people would say Anthony Sherman, but when you hear Dave Taub talk about Sherman, it's not surprising at all. And They were always going to keep him because, like Taub talks about, he plays in all four phases of special teams. He's out there constantly, and so he really does bring a lot of value outside of just being a fullback. Um, I was asked by someone with a fantastic name, a Seth. Hey, shout-out to having a great name, Seth. Any chance they get Jay Howard back for a one-year cheap contract? Given what we saw from the defensive line in the preseason, I've written several things about them on Arrowhead Pride. I uh, I would be stunned if they if they did that. Um, it doesn't seem like his health is checking out. Uh, so, no, I, I wouldn't see that happening. Next question, and then we're going to take a quick break, I think. Um, this is from a Blake. Weaknesses, strengths, and outlook in general. Are the Chiefs contenders not only in division, but in the conference for the Super Bowl? That's a lot of questions, and you could say a lot of different things. I think what the strength of this def- of this team will be will be the defense, provided everyone stays healthy. Justin Houston's back. Chris Jones is another year in. Rakeem Nunez-Rochez looks better. Benny Logan is an upgrade. Derek Johnson's back. I, I think there's a chance that this defense could finally be at full health. Wouldn't that be great? Because the personnel is there to be an exceptional 
defense. Um, I think that'll be the strength of the team. I think they'll also be they'll be like what we've seen previous years. They'll be a, a well-coached, well-disciplined team that doesn't shoot itself in the foot, plays solid defense, has an efficient, if unexciting, offense um, that maybe struggles in the red zone a little bit but is otherwise okay. Um, and you can win a lot of games doing it that way. A lot, a lot of games, especially if your defense takes a step forward from decent to really good. As far as contenders, not only in division, they're absolutely a contender in the division. But as far as the conference for the Super Bowl, yeah, I think they are. They've got good continuity. The, a lot of the band is back together from last year, and that's important. You've got a lot of guys who know each other, who know what the other guy's going to be doing. There's trust there. So I think there is there's a chance there. Is there a good chance? No, most teams don't have that good a chance. But I do think they are contenders that need to be taken seriously. And so with that in mind, we're going to take another commercial break. We're going to swing right back into it and just storm in through the home stretch, try to take on about 10 more questions or so. We'll see if we can do this. I, I believe in myself and I believe in all of you. So we'll be right back. All right. Right back to it. I was asked by uh, Peter Yadrick, how do you go about teaching your children that Raiders and Broncos are things to be treated only with seething hatred and disdain? Well, what I do is I um, will play Madden and I will I'll have us play the Raiders. And every time the Raiders people pop up on screen, I punch one of them in the face as hard as I can. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, I honestly, I, I don't really direct my kids to do one thing or another because what I'm afraid of is that, you know, rebellious phase. Because you got some kids that they just kind of, you know, oh, well, you like the Chiefs, well, I'm going to like the Broncos. And so what I do and says, hey, I cheer for the Chiefs. And then we watch the Chiefs. We talk about the Chiefs. We don't watch other teams all that often because of our unique circumstance where we're only watching the games on Game Pass. And that seems to have worked. So I guess immersion therapy has uh has worked to make them Chiefs fans. And when you are Chiefs fans, the disdain for Broncos and Raiders, it kind of comes naturally. Ever since my son saw TJ Ward try to punch Jeremy Macklin, he's hated the Broncos. And you know what? He's a smart, smart kid. And I assume the other kids will catch on to that too. Um, Keep moving forward. Um, Spaceman asked in the... Uh, what position does K-Pass make the biggest impact? I'm a big fan of putting Passigno, uh on the edge. I, I don't think he necessarily demonstrates the functional point of attack strength to be an interior defensive lineman. I think where he's best served is around the edge, where he's got that, that surprising athleticism and explosiveness and length where I think he could be a, just a huge edge, like just one of those just weird, bizarre, 290, 295-pound freaks playing outside linebacker. That's where I would focus on putting him. What I hope they don't do is do this constant put him all over the line, you know, hand in the dirt, standing up, just doing everything with him because, in my opinion, the, the positions are different enough and he's got a big enough jump as it is um, from where he's coming from, that I there's no need to make this harder than it has to be. I say put him at the edge, practice him there, because I think he's got the raw talent to make an impact. I hope on writing about him this week, but we'll see what happens. Um, I did then have uh, a question. Oh, by the way, I had a lot of people ask me because of the question I'm about to skip over is asking about picking up the... Uh, you know who who might get cut for a potential player who we might pick up from other teams. 
honestly, sometimes I, sh- I, I shy away from such conversations because I just don't know. So that would be, that's the reason. If you ask me a question like that and I don't answer here, that's because I don't know. And I just don't, I, I, it's just all speculation at this point. I think we all know, I mean, of, of the 53 guys on the roster, like 43 of them were on the team last year. Most of the guys that weren't on the team last year outside of Benny Logan, they're probably, you know, maybe the people... They might be interesting people to watch for cut down day, but you know they're mostly rookies too that just got drafted. So I I couldn't even tell you who's probably on the fringe. Pretty much any guy you were surprised made the roster. Yeah, that dude's probably on the fringe to be honest, unless you were like being stubborn and it was Alex Smith. Um, Seth Rollins, hey another Seth shout out my friend. Why chief in instead of chief of? <laughs> um, because. Twitter informed me, and you know, so the chief in the north that was a name that was suggested by a Twitter user. I'm so sorry, I don't remember your name because I know you're a listener. I apologize, I don't remember which person it was, but that was such a great idea you had. It's obviously a play on the whole the king in the north thing from Game of Thrones. And then also because I'm from Minnesota, it just, it works. And so even when people don't remember Game of Thrones, which seems like it'll be a while, hopefully the podcast is still going then, the, you know, the chief of the north, I'm in the land of 10,000 takes, right? Um, Well, what I was informed, it was going to be chief of the north. And I was informed by approximately 900,000 people that, that, that king in the north mean it was it was it was king when you were when you were king it's in the north and when you were warden it's of the north and i would much rather be a king than a warden and so it was chief in the north instead of chief of the north also i think it rolls off the tongue just a little bit better the 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 chief in the north podcast sounds a little better to me than the chief of the north podcast it's easier to say too so honestly that's really all there is to it be us all being nerds and the fact that it's easier to say um ks chaser new england asks why do sports writers love podcasts i can read an article faster <laughs> well Podcasts are an opportunity to get other content and and a a variety of content out there quickly. Um, And while you can read an article faster, the amount of information that I can present in a podcast, it dwarfs the amount of information that I can put into an article. At least in in, 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 in not in-depth stuff, but addressing different subjects and addressing a bunch of different things. So that's part of it. The other part is it's just nice to have multiple different kinds of content. Some people really love podcasts. I personally don't listen to very many podcasts outside of like, you know, sermons because I'm weird like that. Um, I, I just don't. I enjoy reading stuff, but some people really enjoy the, the listening stuff and I don't want to be discriminatory. So KS Chaser in, in, in any New England, I'm assuming stop being prejudiced against people that like to listen to stuff, man. That's mean. Anyway, um, moving on to the next one, Michael Reed asked, do you have any inclination whether Marcus Peters wants to stay in KC past his rookie deal? And I have no idea. Um, obviously he's an Oakland guy. Um, I assume he grew up cheering for the Raiders. He seems to be committed to Kansas City. I mean, obviously, as of right now, he seems to enjoy being a chief. I think um, he's so involved in Oakland that there's definitely, to me, a concern. I feel like if the money were all equal, I think he would go to Oakland. I just do. I, he, I mean, who wouldn't want to play in their hometown for the team they grew up cheering for? That said, he also 
you know, when contract negotiation times come up, that's just a small part of what players consider. I think the money is going to be a big factor, the defensive coordinator, the guys he's playing around. I mean, you see him and Eric Berry together all the time. And I think the fact that Eric Berry is here in Kansas City for the long haul, I think that's going to matter when his contract comes up because they seem to really like each other. And, and they've really got kind of a thing going with the secondary, especially with with Barry and Peters and Parker and now Sorensen that have been together for a while. And now Steven Nelson's been here for a few years too. They seem to really have something there. And so, you know, I... I really, I couldn't tell you. I hope he sticks around because I think he's a special talent, but we'll see. Let's see how long we've gone. 43 minutes. we got time for a few more, and then I'm going to have to go. Um, <laughs> there are a couple of Mahomes questions that I missed earlier, and so I'm not going to uh, to address those just because I think we've covered them. Uh, Joel Hilton asked, what are, what are your thoughts on the new GM so far? I'm impressed with his willingness to explain his decisions-making process his decision-making process during interviews. Um, so far, I think uh, I, I think he's done a pretty good job. It's impossible to gauge anything right now. This is by and large still the roster that was constructed under Dorsey. And here's something you have to remember. More and more reports are coming out. Now reports have come out that Brett Veach went as a scout to watch Mahomes twice last year. So Veach was, from the sounds of it, one of the guys who was in on the decision with Pat Mahomes. And you have to understand that this entire roster, you could say, well, it's John Dorsey's roster. Well, how much of that roster was assembled because Brett Veach was pounding the table for one guy or another? He obviously was respected within the organization as a voice. And so I, I don't know if you can really split, you know, Dorsey's roster from Veach's roster and all that stuff. And so, so far what I've liked, I, I love the, the Raglan trade. I think that was a really smart trade for a guy who struggled just with one injury, who was a second round pick a year ago, who seems to address a direct need. I like the Roy Miller signing. It was a low-key guy that maybe addresses a significant weakness. The Cameron Irving trade, a, a, a slight risk with a, you know, it's a conditional fourth rounder on a high upside guy. Fair enough. I like that he's aggressive. I really do. I would rather someone who swings for the fences than is overly conservative because too many NFL GMs are already too conservative. And so, so far, I like what he's done, but we're not really going to know until we're a couple years down the road here. Just like with John Dorsey, we didn't really know about his eye for talent until he'd been around for a couple years. Um, We also will know more with regards to contract negotiations, like, say, Marcus Peters. We'll see how that goes. With Veach in there instead of Dorsey, maybe those things will go better. And we maybe we won't have any more surprise veteran cuts that seem to go badly. And things like that. Those are the things to watch for. Because I do think talent acquisition-wise, I think Veach has a good eye for talent. Um, Mr. C. David, a, a good friend of mine who is actually going to be bringing me to the Chiefs game this year, to the to the Redskins game. I'm very excited about that. So, Chuck, good buddy of mine. Record prediction, surprise breakout player, underachiever, playoff chances and how far they go. Now, you see, being a friend of mine means you get to ask multiple questions. Record prediction, I think they go 12-4 and four again. I think the surprise breakout player this year that won't really surprise Chiefs fans I think is going to be Kareem Hunt. I think he's going to have a breakout year. Underachiever, um, I don't know why, because I, I feel like I should have more faith in him than this. But for whatever reason, I, I really do have this feeling that, that 
that we're going to see some underachievement from D Ford. I hope I'm wrong, but that's just a gut feeling thing. I have no idea why, because he's looked better from the right side than he did last year during preseason. Looks quick, but just for whatever reason, I feel like we're all going to be kind of disappointed in Ford again. Playoff chances and how far they go, I think they make the playoffs. Um, I think they're, unfortunately, I hate to say it this way, I do think that they probably, I think they win one game and then they lose out. Now it just depends on whether they got a bye or not, whether that's in the AFC Championship or in the uh, the divisional round. So I do think there's a ceiling on this team's success, and that's mostly just because I'm concerned about the offense. And until the defense shows it can stay healthy and perform at an elite level the whole season, I'm going to be concerned about that. Um, and so I, then I'm trying to look, make sure I've got just a couple more here. I do have a question from someone named KC. I'm still wondering what will be our biggest need after the season. Wide receiver production and what might keep us from winning all this year. Um, I don't know about wide receiver production, but I think what will keep us from winning it all this year is that this is still an offense that's wildly dependent on Andy Reid winning not players winning. Outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, who we, we're not sure about Hill on a snap-by-snap basis. So really, outside of Travis Kelsey, there aren't a lot of players that just go out there and win on their own. Maybe Kareem Hunt will be that guy. Maybe Chris Conley will. Maybe Travis, Maybe Tyler or Tyreek Hill. But right now, it's dependent on Andy Reid scheming things. And... We've all seen what happens in games where Andy Reid isn't three steps ahead. The entire offense as a whole looks really, really stagnated. And I don't like the offense being that reliant on Andy Reid to win. I think it puts too much on his shoulders. And as a result, because I think Andy Reid knows this, he over-schemes sometimes. And I think the part of the reason for that is because he knows that he has to. So I think that's the weakness that will keep us from the Super Bowl if they, in fact, don't get there. Um... One more question from Lou, at Lou McGopher, who I've known for quite some time as well through Arrowhead Pride. Um, are we screwed cornerback-wise? No, I don't think we are. I, I like I like Mitchell just fine. I like Nelson just fine. Peters is obviously who he is. I think he's going to be even better than he was last year. He's still ascending. He was a lot better his second year than his rookie year. I think he's going to be even better this year. So I don't think so. I just, like I said, I really want to see Mitchell practice. So... That is the super mailbag edition of the Chief of the North podcast. There is one thing I want to cover before we go, and we're going to, I guess we're going to, since again, we're going to be pretty much done talking about Mahomes barring an injury or something crazy happening. And so I want to address, I guess we'll, we'll end cap with uh, Alex and, and Mahomes talk for this, this final preseason Chief of the North podcast. I've had a bunch of people talk to me about the fact and I saw an MMQB article actually on this that Andy Benoit wrote, who generally does a pretty good job, where he talked about the fact that because Andy Reid's offense is so based on predetermined reads and so based on pre-snap reads and all this stuff, that we that it could be until 2019 that Mahomes is ready to take over. And I just wanted to address that really quickly. I would be absolutely stunned if... Uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't take over next season. And that was in part because he looked good in the preseason, yes. But it was also because Alex Smith, it's a $17 million contract. And I've talked about this many times. And people can say, oh, you can redo the deal. You can, but you got to rob Peter to pay Paul. And you got to redo things down the road. Money matters. And if you can get similar quarterback production for you know a fraction of the cost, 
You've got to do that. The most valuable thing in the NFL is a competent quarterback on a rookie deal. And I think Alex, I think Patrick Mahomes has already shown that he could be a competent quarterback on a, a low-end rookie deal, even where he already is, never mind where he is after sitting and learning for a year, which so many people seem to think is so important for his development. What I would say with regards to this whole, well, Andy Reid's offense is complicated, it's heavily predicated on pre-snap reads and timing and all this stuff. Here's what I would say to that. If you go back and you watch Andy Reid's offenses in in Philadelphia, Andy Reid's offenses, they always have certain things that are similar, obviously, just like every other head coach. You have tendencies, you have certain things that are true about them. But if you watch what he did in Philadelphia, say like the years that uh, Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens played together, or in the years that uh, you had, say, like Vic throwing to Macklin and Deshaun Jackson, stuff like that, watch how much more vertical routes are incorporated into the route combinations. And not just, I'm not talking about, um, you know, decoy routes, because there are certain routes in the Chiefs offense right now. You can tell they're decoy routes. You can tell that the first read is always the short read on certain plays. Watch how much more of a vertical element you see incorporated into that. The reason I point that out is because it's important to note this it's kind of a chicken and egg thing for a lot of fans. Is it Andy or is it Alex? Is it Alex or is it Andy? The correct answer is yes. It is both. Andy Reid recognizes that Alex Smith's arguably greatest strength as a quarterback is reading defensive coverages pre-snap. It's arguably the thing that he's best at. And so he has built an offense heavily based on reading the defense pre-snap, identifying what coverages could get beaten by what routes, and then and then throwing to those routes. If you've got a quarterback who that's not his biggest strength or where he doesn't have big weaknesses, because one of Alex's biggest weaknesses, in my opinion, is going through progressions with a cool head in the pocket without getting happy feet after the snap. And so what Andy Reid doesn't do is ha- is run plays where you've got your four routes and you say, look, you know, identify what you can, and we're just going to count on you to go through the go through all four routes and just look and see who's open. Which I know sound, it's a really oversimplified way of saying things, but you see it all the time with other quarterbacks where multiple snaps a game, they go one, two, three, four, and they're just looking for guys to get open, post-snap reads. That's not something Alex is particularly adept at. It is something that Patrick Mahomes does. Andy Reid is not going to run the exact same offense through Patrick Mahomes, as he does through Alex Smith. It would be ridiculous if he did. Andy Reid is fantastic at building his offense around his quarterback. Yes, it's all out of the same basic principles, but it's very different in practice. It's very different route combinations. It's very different checks and reads at the line. And it's just very, it's just different overall. You're going to see different types of calls being made. And so uh, what I would urge you to do is go back and watch some of those Eagles offenses and how they changed over the years. And then compare that to what the Chiefs offense looks like now. Yes, there are some real similarities, but there are some real differences as well. And so that's why this argument that Mahomes could just never be ready to execute this offense by 2018, I would say he's not going to be running that exact same offense. Andy Reid has built an offense that is tailor-made for Alex Smith to succeed as best he can. What he's going to do is the exact same thing with Patrick Mahomes. Whenever we see him, it's tailor-made it to the best way that he can succeed. And once again, I'm excited to see it. So there you have it. The last barring injury or something crazy happening, serious Patrick Mahomes talk 
of 2017. It's been a wild preseason. I can't wait to see the guy in action more, but I'm also excited to see what Alex Smith does come Thursday. I think it's going to be a great season for the Chiefs, and the next time we talk, next Monday, we'll have a lot of analysis on what happened in week one. This has been the Chief of the North. Thanks for joining me, guys.